All right, so this morning, we're going to Proverbs 18, 22. This is our short little intro. You ready? Proverbs 18, 22. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So today, we're going to look at the value of a good wife. Now, if you're a woman, you're married to a man, you can also put this to the value of a good husband, okay? The value of a woman who knows how to make things go smooth, <laughs> and you'll see what happens because she really irons out a whole lot of issues. Her husband's, this woman's husband's, very name is interpreted a fool. His very name means a fool. And according to the Bible, his actions prove him to be so. It's fascinating. So 1 Samuel 25, 2. Now we're going to have a lot of scripture this morning, a lot of scripture, because this is a long account. Um, so we could go very well, go from 15 minutes long to two hours long. I don't know. So we're going to get into it. 1 Samuel 25, 2. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. Now I want you to pay attention because the next couple lines are what the Bible says about this man, Nabal. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now, we all know Caleb from Caleb and Joshua going in, and Caleb, 80 years old, saying, I'm taking that mountain. That's how we know Caleb. This guy was of the house of Caleb, but in this instance, they're saying the house of Caleb, as in this, this guy was a dog, the house of Caleb, meaning the house of dogs, because that was the, how we, we interpreted Caleb as a loyal, faithful follower uh, um, tenacious sticking to his master but this guy is literally interpreted the house of Caleb as a dog he was not looked on well by anybody the writer the Holy Spirit his wife nobody looked on this guy with any kind of favor at all no one the man Nabal had a wife who was as beautiful as he was churlish the Bible says that when the Bible says you're evil and churlish you're evil and churlish, okay? Because it tries to put in, uh, well, it doesn't really try to put a good spin, but we try to, to only focus on the good. But the Bible says this guy was evil and churlish, but he wasn't just evil. He was also evil in his doings. That means when his business dealings, his, his actions, almost everything he did was so self-centered, the Bible calls it evil. Where it was, it's amazing that this man from the house of Caleb was not more like the Caleb from Joshua and Caleb, for that Caleb was a man till the end of his days. This man, Nabal, he never grew up. He never understood that he's only as great as those around him. Nobody is a success in and of themselves. No one. You either have God to give the credit to, you have a wife lifting you up. You have a team lifting you up. You have circumstances lifting you up. 
you have so many things that you have to give credit for no man is an island no man is successful on his own this man thought it was all due to him and his business it wasn't he's cheating and stealing from everybody First Samuel 25, 4. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Thus shall you say to him, Nabal, that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes. Let the young men, the ten young men he sent him unto them, let them find favor in your eyes. For we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son, David. And when, uh, when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. David's men were on the run from Saul. David's men were apparently in Carmel. David's men were protecting Nabal's sheep, Nabal's herds, Nabal's herdsmen. David provided a wall around them. David kept the other robbers from them. David kept the animals from them. David had an army of about 600 men. So he kept the flocks. He kept everything safe that Nabal had that was in this area. And David's saying, hey, I helped you. I kept your guys safe. You're about to shear these sheep, and you're about to get rich off the sale of the wool, but I protected them. Without me, you would have nothing. So please, give me a little something. What does Nabal say? Nabal says, and Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David? David killed Goliath. Everybody knew who David was. And who is the son of Jesse? He knew who David was. He knew Jesse. Jesse was a very rich man. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. He's calling him a runaway servant, a runaway slave. He's calling him uh, a bandit. He's insulting David mightily here. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers? The stuff that he's given to those who are going to work for him, should he now give it to men whom I know not whence they be? <laughs> this guy. Oh, he's this guy. David gave protection to Nabal's flocks, took care of the sheep and the shepherds. And in the spring, David asked for a little something for his troubles. And the Nabal, and Nabal, who owes his riches to unfair dealings, who didn't understand that it wasn't just him that made everything that he had, who didn't understand the value of good people, who didn't understand that David was more valuable in the long run than he himself was. For we would not know of Nabal if David hadn't had this interaction. We would never know of Nabal at all 
David made him famous, but not for the right reason. Nabal owed his riches to his family, to the people around him, to the people who worked for him. He belittles David. He takes all the credit for himself. This dude is, in, is churlish indeed. And by the way, might I add, he is very, very foolish. For David has 600 men at his beck and call. 600 men in his army. 600. And Nabal's insulting David. Nabal is belittling David. Nabal is saying, hey, thanks for nothing, man. And David, as we know, David has a bit of a temper. David has a bit of a, of a, of a righteous streak in him if things don't go the way he thinks they should. Never get on the side of the guy who has the army. Never get on the bad side of the guy who has the army behind him. Never. <laughs> Unless you've got an army bigger behind you, don't. 1 Samuel 25, 12. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things. And David, David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. David is angry. And is he ever going to go after Nabal? <laughs> he is. And let him know who David is. Who is the son of Jesse? David's about to introduce himself real nice to Nabal. <laughs> Nabal knows who David is, yet he's cheap and he's very foolish. A sheep or two to feed the men of David. Okay, 600 men. It may have taken five or six sheep. He had 3,000. He had 1,000 goats. Not a whole lot there that he would have missed had he given them just a couple, huh? A sheep or two, a goat or two to David and his men would have gone a long way because all of Israel knows Saul is chasing David. All of Israel knows David is going to be the next king. All of Israel knows this. And how do I know? Because Nabal's wife knows. That's how I know. And there went up a... <clears throat> And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. David's always leaving men by the stuff because there's robbers in that area. And that's what he protected Nabal's flocks from. There's robbers in the area who will pillage and loot because uh, that's what David's men protected the sheep and the goats from, the herdsmen. David is angry and is he ever going to go after Nabal? Nabal knows who he is. Nabal could have put all this off with a kind word, yet he was so short-sighted he did not help David. Not only did he not help him, but he insulted him mightily. One of Nabal's servants is about to run to his Nabal's wife. So let's hear what the servant says to uh, Abigail. 1 Samuel 25, 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers. Notice he, he just says David. David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the field. The servant is saying, David watched over us. David and his men protected us. As long as we were in their area and they knew we were there, they protected us. 
And our Lord was mean to David. Our Lord railed against David. Our Lord was churlish indeed. They were a wall unto us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. A wall, night and day, protected them. Nabal didn't get rich on his own. They were a wall before the sheep and the shepherd. They offered protection, and that made the job of the shepherds and the young men so much easier. They did not steal from us. They were nice to us when they did not need to be. That's what the young man's saying. And Nabal yelled at him, railed at him, because he didn't want to give away one or two sheep. Foolish indeed. When you have your bounty, if there are people who are responsible for helping you get that bounty, that money, whatever you have, make sure they get theirs. It's not that hard to understand. Verse 17. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. The servant is still talking to Abigail. Know and consider what thou wilt do. Remember, Abigail has a reputation as level-headed, common sense, decisive, good head on her shoulders. She has that reputation. Know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. <laughs> yes, it is. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. You get that? This is the servant's understanding of their Lord. The servant knows he's a son of Belial and no one can speak to him because he's an evil, wicked, mean, churlish, bitter man. Selfish, self-centered, self-righteous, whatever you want to call it. He has a horrible reputation. He has a horrible testimony, but he's got a good wife. The servant says, now, my lady, because he's still a servant, so he's addressing Abigail, David is going to kill all associated with this man because he's a simpleton. That's me paraphrasing. And Abigail, hmm, what did Abigail do? Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine, and five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn, and a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, laid them on asses, and she said unto her servants, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband, Nabal. <laughs> she is quick-witted. She's sound, logical thinking right here. Her husband has offended a man with 600 men at his beck and call. 600. And he is upset and deservedly so. Abigail jumps on action. She gets ready going. She says, she gets this, 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 and this, this. She sends it all to David. She says, you guys, you get going now. I'm coming. So she's going in the bathroom. She's going to make herself pretty. That's exactly what she's doing. How do I know that? Because I read on. See, I read ahead. I studied up. And it was so, meaning they took the stuff on to get to David, so to try and calm his anger. As she rode on the ass, that she came down by the covert of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. 
David's on his way. He's almost there. Fortunately, she not only thought quickly, she acted quickly, got on the road to head off disaster before it got there. She didn't go, oh my, what am I doing? No, she was decisive. She was quick-witted. She moved and she was smart. Now, David had said, this is what David had said to his men. Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath, hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. David protected this man. His men, he protected his flocks, he protected his reputation, his money. Everything he had was tied up in these flocks, and David protected them, and Nabal ignored that. And so more, and also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. David's going in, he's going to kill this man and all of his men. Going to. He is dead set on this because Nabal not just insulted him, belittled him, ignored him. Yet Abigail gets there and she sees David. Now everybody knows who David is. Israel's not a very big country. It, David killed Goliath. David, by the Bible's account, was a good-looking man. He had an army. Everybody knew who he was. Saul's trying to kill him. Everybody knew who David was. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted, lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. She's playing the part very, very well, isn't she? She, she got right down and knelt down in front of him and said, Oh, my goodness. And fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, Upon me let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. <laughs> she is, she's going to put on all the words and flowers that she can on this speech. Now remember, the Bible says Abigail is of a, a good countenance, meaning she's very, very pretty. She sends a whole bunch of food. She gets herself up and gets going to head off the problem. She's very, very pretty, and she's using flattering words. She is not above using that which she has in her favor, is she? She's using her beauty, she's using her goods, and she's using a little bit of flattery to get the desired results. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, now, women, do not actually go out and insult your husbands. Don't do that. But this dude, the Bible insulted him. So in this case, we're going to let it slide. Because God said it. So I really have nothing bad to say about that. <laughs> this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name. And folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. She's saying, um, David, if you hadn't gone to him, if you'd come to me, this would have been different. The, he's an idiot. You shouldn't have gone to him. He's wicked. He's evil. I know this. That's what she's saying. 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, as thy Lord, or as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. You see what she's doing there? She's saying, hey, as the Lord has kept you from shedding blood, which what she really means is I'm here to keep you from killing everybody. 
So listen to me. That's what she's saying. She's saying, she's saying I got here. I'm stopping you. You're, you're not avenging because we're going to fix this. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord all the food, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. She didn't actually do anything wrong. In fact, she did everything right. Her husband did it wrong, but she's owning it. She's taking account for it because they're married. Her problems are his and his problems are hers. No matter how much of a churlish uh, fool he is, still married, still same problems. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. And he did. Because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. And he did. And evil hath not been found in me all thy days. Now she's laying it on a little thick. Here's the flattery. Evil hath not been found in me all thy days. Yet the older brother said, I know your heart and the wickedness of it, the iniquity of it. <laughs> so she's using a whole lot of flattery because ain't nobody perfect. David, no one. Abigail is really playing it up to try and save her household, and rightfully so. Her husband made a serious mistake. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee. She's talking about Saul. Everybody knows Saul and David and Jesse's son. Everybody knows her husband was just being a, a, a complete imbecile. And we, yet a man is risen to pursue, to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord. See what she's doing there? She's saying, um, you're, 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 you're of God. You can't do what you're planning on doing. You're, you're of God. You're a good man. You can't do this. <laughs> she is really pleading with David. She is throwing everything at him. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies. Then shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. She's going back to Goliath. She's telling him what he knew. You slung that stone, so shall the souls of your enemy be slung out by the Lord. This woman is very smart. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and it shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. Abigail knows David. Everybody knows David. When Nabal insulted David, when Nabal asked who David was, Nabal was being rude and crass, self-centered, unthinking of the consequences Abigail's fixing it. She's going in and she's telling him everything she knows about him. She's praising him, letting him know that you're a God's man. Stand up and do that which right. And avenging these people is not. So now that all that is done, Abigail goes home and she is going to deal with her husband. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Y'all know that wall, don't you? Well, if it's not mom or dad or the wife or the, you know, when you mess up, you get there's a day of reckoning and we all just shuffle that up. So anyway. Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house. He wouldn't give David anything, but now he's holding a feast in his house. Like the feast of a king. There was food to spare and probably a whole lot thrown out. And Nabal's heart was merry within him. 
We all know why, don't we? For he was very drunk. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. She waited until he could fully understand what had happened. <laughs> she waited until he knew the consequences of his actions. Nabal held a feast for all the work of the shears, a feast of a king, which means he invited a lot of people. So he wasn't above inviting people. He was just not, he was just not inviting those that had anything to do with actually making him successful. He was going to invite those that were going to praise him, that were going to uh, massage his ego and make him feel good about himself. So for all the work of the shears, he was about to add a lot of money to his coffers. So he throws a little party. Yet again, Abigail demonstrates her wisdom by not telling him all that had come to pass until in the morning. When he was alert, when he was able to process what had happened. Because remember, this is a 24-hour period. So this morning, he, he insults David, has a feast this night, wakes up the next morning. This is what happens when he wakes up the next morning. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became a stone. Just like Ananias and Sapphira, heart died within them right then and there when the spirit convicted them. Nabal's wife saved him and all his men from certain death. Now, 10 days from now, he will pass, but that's beside the point. She protected him and his household. She was a good wife. She did what she was supposed to do, even though she had an evil, churlish, undeserving husband. She acted wisely, courageously, and did what needed to be done. So if you think your husband's undeserving, you still do the right thing. That's what she did. She saved her testimony. Now she flirted a little bit. She said, remember me when, not now. So not, she wasn't quite perfect, but still, she did what she was supposed to do. Her courage, common sense, and integrity saved a whole slew of people. Saved David's testimony, David's reputation. She saved Nabal, his household, all of his servants, all of his belongings. She saved David, and he was able to reserve his seat on the throne. She saved his testimony, his reputation, all of his men, their testimony, their reputation. This woman acted courageously. She acted quickly. She acted in the interest of her household. And she saved a whole lot of trouble for Israel in this day. Marriage is not 50-50. You hear that a lot. It's not 50-50. Marriage is 100% from both parties all the time. Never was a ministry, a family, or marriage successful when both were not equally invested. It's true. A man and his wife can move mountains, but they must be agreed on the same page in search of the same goals and dedicated to sacrificing whatever it takes for those goals. There must be a we mentality, not a me and mine. That's what Nabal was all about. Me and mine. I'm great. I'm grand. Look at me. That's not how it was. Nabal's servants, David's men, 
Abigail, everybody kept enriching him, not because of him, but because it's what they were supposed to do. That's what God told them to do. They were doing what God appointed them to do. There must be a we mentality. Nabal was a churlish fool who spoke too soon, drank too much, and didn't see the consequences of his actions until it was too late. His wife saw she acted in a manner befitting a lady to save her household. What I find interesting, Nabal didn't tweet, treat his queen like a queen. But you hear that a lot today, don't you? You're a queen. Yeah, well, you are? Sure. Okay. But if you're a queen, you better go home and treat your man like a king. That's the only way you're going to be treated like a queen, right? You can't expect him to treat you like a queen. You can't expect her to tr treat you like a king if you're not acting as one. Not going to happen. You want to be treated as a queen? You better be treating your king as a king. If your home is your castle, protect your queen or king. And that's exactly what she did. Make sure your homestead is thriving for the sake of both of you, the sake of posterity, your reputation, your testimony. Simple. There's an undercurrent in the world right now where the man is being belittled and trod down. There's a the movement where men are worthless, but they're not. This is not the Bible way. Treat your king as a king. See what happens. The man in the Bible is the spiritual head. God made it that way. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not. That's what God said. That makes it so. God gave man a woman to be a helpmeet. To woman, he gave man. The twain shall become one. That's what God said. God made man a woman to help him. And in this case, Abigail really helped it. Helped, helped it. Really helped Nabal. She had her talents. She had her strengths. And he apparently had nothing but weaknesses. And she used what she had to make everything better. Not just for her, not just for him, but for their household. For their standing for their testimony. Nabal learned the value of a good wife way too late. And he died. Just as Christ died for the church, man, you too are to lay down your life for your ladies. That means put yourself last. Ladies, you are to be dedicated, faithful to your man, just as the church is required to be dedicated solely to Christ. So in closing, with the example we have from Abigail, we're going to go to Proverbs 31.10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have in no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. 
A good woman will enrich you. And again, flip it around. A good husband will enrich you. In so many ways, you can be enriched by that good husband, good wife. I want you to notice that I didn't say perfect. No one's perfect. I said good. A good husband, a good wife will, will enrich you. A good husband, a good wife will make you better, will lift you up, and you in turn need to lift them up. It is 100% from both people, each with a God-given part to fulfill. This world cheapens the commitment, cheapens the marriage, yet God's standards have never changed from the Garden of Eden, never. What God had joined together, let no man tear us under. A good wife increases her household. A good man protects his lady and provides spiritually as well as physically. Abigail saved two men, one physically and the other in reputation and testimony. In her actions, she was indeed a good woman. And like I just said, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That commitment to each other, Abigail was faithful and enriched her husband all the days of his life. Nabal didn't honor that and almost got everybody killed. When you read this, remember it's 100% from both parties.